Today's reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 24. It can be found on page 1093 of the Bibles in front of you. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This is the word of the Lord. Hello again. It's lovely to see you. I had to swap my microphone. Um, I won't go into why, but uh, I just had to swap it, so hopefully you'll hear... um, it's quite a funny story, I'll tell you later. It's not the sort of story that you want recorded, though, and broadcast on the internet. But anyway, uh, I wonder if you heard, uh, talking of uh, on the internet, 
the uh, Pentecost service that was recorded on Tuesday here in church, in Christ Church, by BBC Radio Shropshire. Did you hear it? Did you listen? Were you up early enough? Does seven o'clock exist for you on a Sunday morning? Maybe it doesn't. Well, it was, it was really good. And everybody involved did a marvellous job, so thank you again, and thank you if you were able to support it on Tuesday that you did. Well, as Pentecost Sunday has come round again for another year, what strikes me, and I was thinking about this on Tuesday as well, is how we might know the biblical narrative of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We might know that really well. We might know it a little bit. We might know that, yeah, something happened and there was some fire on some people's heads and and then there were some funny languages said. You know, that might be about the level of, of, of your remembering of the story. Or else you might have heard it so many times you've lost count of how many times you've heard it. But I wonder, even though we might know the accounts really well, how well do we know the Holy Spirit himself? Now that's an entirely different question, isn't it? And how recent in your experience is the activity of the Holy Spirit. You know, what's your last memory of God uh, revealing himself to you in your life or in your circumstances or in your, or your, your work or your family stuff that's going on? What, when, what's the last memory you can have of thinking, gosh, that was, that was the Holy Spirit just helping me with that or, or just enabling me to do this, or was in that situation. I wonder when it is for you. I've been thinking about that for myself this week. Well, that's what I want us to think about today. It's coming with an openness on Pentecost Sunday, an openness to be filled again, or filled afresh with God's Holy Spirit, his power, his life-giving power, his life-changing power, to come again knowing that we need that We need that more than anything. We need God's help. We need his power at work in our lives and through our lives if we're going to be of any earthly use to him. Well, on Tuesday, at the recording of the uh, radio broadcast, I told the story of when my friend Tim took an acquaintance of his out on his father-in-law's speedboat on an estuary in Cornwall. And I wanted to share that story with you again this morning. Together they potted out into the estuary on their boat and then Tim told his friend, hold on to your hat because I'm about to show you what this baby can do. It shifts. Well, Tim pushed the throttle fully down and nothing happened. He tried again and again and again, but still nothing, absolutely nothing, no power whatsoever. Disappointed, they returned to the bank and Tim asked a mechanic to look at the engine and the mechanic told him that the lack of power was down to one simple thing, a kink in the fuel line. Now in the passage from Acts that Vicky read a few minutes ago, we heard that Jesus' closest followers have been facing a time when they just don't have the power. They just don't have the resources at their disposal or the wherewithal to carry on telling this amazing story of Jesus. They've got a kink in the fuel line and they've retreated to somebody's house to a place of safety, uh, like a cave, if you like. 
And by this time, Jesus, of course, has been taken up to heaven, and his disciples are probably feeling his, his absence. Maybe they're on a bit of a downer after all the excitement about him being raised from the dead. You can imagine after that, the crucifixion, thinking it's all over, this is terrible, Jesus is gone. And then him being raised from the dead, that rush of excitement, that amazing energy in the life of, of their faith and their commitment to Jesus. And then lo and behold, Jesus ascends to heaven yet again, well not yet again, um, and to heaven again, and uh, there they are, thinking Jesus left us and we're in the same position. And then the reality suddenly hits home because Jesus' promise comes to fruition. Because before he left their sight, Jesus gave them this commitment, this promise, that they would receive the power they need from God's Spirit, the power they need to be his witnesses. And you can read about this in Acts chapter 1. And so that's the point where we pick up the story today. Fuel makes it to the engine, and the throttle is pushed down. The disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we see what happens when they have the power. They're able to fulfill the task. They're able to get on with all that Jesus is asking them to do. And amazing things happen. They're able to help others, many others, to receive the power of God's Spirit so that they too can live for God. And so this whole cycle started at that moment, receiving God's power so that others can receive that power, so that others can receive that power, so that others can receive that power. And that's why you're sat there today. And that way the Church of Christ began to form. You know, today for all sorts of reasons, we all need fuel to reach the engine. We need God's power to live life as he intended. We need God's power to fulfill his purposes, to get on with all that he's given us to do, to tell his story, to get through life's struggles, to enable others to receive that transforming power. And as I thought and I prayed about this story of my friend Tim and that other person he took on that, on that boat, this image of the boat on the estuary other scenarios began to surface. Ways in which fuel is not reaching the engine, maybe. Ways in which we're not opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. Ways in which we're not living in the power of the Spirit to reach and touch the lives of other people. And I want us to look at these scenarios together now. And I wonder which one best describes where you find yourself at the moment. Which scenario is the best fit for you. Maybe it's this first one. Like the disciples, maybe you've retreated to your place of safety. Your speedboat is in the boat shed. Out of fear, you avoid the power of the Holy Spirit, the adventure on the open sea that God has for you, the calling to invite other people on board so that they too can experience God's power at work in their lives. And instead, you're happy, praying, talking, singing about the power of the Spirit, in theory, all at a distance. It's effectively like you read books on speedboats, 
but you never actually take it out on the water. If this is you, that's okay. The Holy Spirit has power for you today. Or maybe it's the second scenario. Perhaps you're happy pottering about the estuary, but you've never even tried the throttle, never seen what this baby can do. You've opened yourself up ever so slightly to the power of the Spirit, but you've resisted or never quite got around to abandoning yourself to the life-changing power of God who can set your heart on fire with love for him to the extent that you cannot keep that love to yourself. If this is okay, sorry, if this is you, that's okay. The Holy Spirit has power for you. Or maybe you're worn out. Your spiritual engine is in desperate need of an MOT. Your faith is tired. Your commitment to God's church is weakening. It's loosening. It's wavering. You're disenfranchised, disappointed with God. You're stood on the bank of the estuary watching others potter about or else speeding across the top of the waves towards the horizon. If this is you, then that's okay. The Holy Spirit has power for you today. Or maybe you feel like you're being carried along, still in somebody else's boat. Some time ago, someone invited you on board and they helped you to enjoy the estuary and see the possibilities God has for you. But when it came to it, you've never moved on. You've never given up on that dependency. Now you either need or long for your own boat, your own experience of the Holy Spirit's power, your own adventure with God. If this is you, then that's okay. The Holy Spirit has power for you today. Or perhaps our final scenario, you live for the Holy Spirit rush. You haven't got past the idea that the Holy Spirit is primarily for you. You love the fill me up bit, but you've not moved on to the send me out part. You're effectively going around in circles on the estuary. You're going nowhere fast. If this is you, that's okay. The Holy Spirit has power for you today. You know, we notice from the reading from Acts that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not for a personal jolly to help the disciples feel better in their moment of crisis or need. It's not simply to make the disciples pray more passionately for revival whilst remaining in that room. The Holy Spirit literally propelled them out like a speedboat on the ocean out on an exhilarating but incredibly costly journey to build God's church. And so the promise for each of us is real today. Jesus says these words to us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power to be my witnesses. Power to build my church. Power to change the world. Today, I want to encourage each one of us, myself included, to ask God for his power, to pray for the gift of his spirit. As we heard in the Bible, this power makes all the difference in the world. And so I wonder, what image of the boat speaks most to you? Which scenario? What holds you back? What's getting in the way? What barriers do you see 
in front of you what things are acting like a kink in the fuel line. Is it lifestyle choices? Fear? Complacency? Weariness? Disappointment? Unforgiveness? Sin? Anger? Selfishness? Greed? Ambition? Arrogance? Pride? Or stubbornness? That was my list. I, I just wondered if it might apply to you too. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> it really is my list. I want you to be honest with God about these things. Allow him to speak to you and bring to mind the things that are getting in the way. And then ask God for his power, for fuel to reach your engine and propel you out on the adventure that he's got for you. To love him, to live for him, to give all you are and all you have for him. To be released, to give of yourself for the building of his church. We're going to move into a time of prayer and ministry. And you can pray quietly in your seat and you can ask somebody near you to pray for you if you'd rather do that. Or you can come forward to receive prayer. Please be encouraged to be bold, be brave, be courageous. Be open to all that God has for you. This could be the start of an amazing new chapter. So please don't let the opportunity pass you by. Come forward and receive prayer and receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Amen.